The scripture reading this morning will come from selected portions of the book of Acts, chapter 2. This is the account of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem following Jesus' crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. So I commend the, the entire chapter to you. This morning I'll be reading selected passages. Let's ask the Lord whose spirit breathed out this word and preserved it for us in Holy Scripture to breathe upon us, to open our minds and enlighten the eyes of our hearts. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, our helper, the one who leads us in all truth in accordance with your word and scripture, who speaks to us from your throne by Jesus Christ. And we pray, O Lord, that you would give us ears to hear your word, minds to understand and hearts to receive it in faith, souls to respond in grateful obedience. To the glory of your name. Amen. Acts chapter 2. It's found on page 909 of your Black Pew Bible. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they, the believers, were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language, and they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, nine o'clock in the morning. And then Peter quotes this prophecy from Joel, Joel chapter 2, about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And picking up at verse 22, he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs 
that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And Peter quotes Psalm 110, which is a psalm prophesying the resurrection of Christ and his ascension into heaven and his being seated at the right hand of God. And he continues at verse 29 saying, I say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, he both died and was buried in his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he, Christ, has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Then he concludes his sermon at verse 36, saying, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So today we ask the question, what is the day of Pentecost? What happened? What does it mean? What does it mean for us? What does it mean to say that we Presbyterians are, in fact, Pentecostals? Well, I'm going to do something that I don't often do. I'm going to give you, um, I'm going to give you four words that all begin with the same letter, the letter C, as we work through this passage from Acts chapter 2 and try to get the big idea about Pentecost and what it means for us today as well. So the four C's is that on the day of Pentecost, supernatural miracles took place, a miracle of communication, a miracle of conviction, miracle of conversion, and miracle of consecration. Communication, conviction, conversion, and consecration. The day of Pentecost was, first of all, a Jewish feast. It had been established in the time of Moses. In the Old Testament days, it was known as the Feast of Weeks, 
a week of weeks, seven weeks after the Sabbath following the Passover, and all Jewish males were required by uh, the law to observe the Feast of Weeks, or as it became called in the Greek language, Pentecost. Pente- Pentecost means 50th day. It is the, for the Old Testament Jews, it was the 50th day from the Sabbath following the Passover. What that means for us is it, today is the 50th day after Easter. And um, it was on that day in Jerusalem when the believers were gathered together with Jewish pilgrims from all over the known world. Now, that's the point when Luke tells us here that there were Jews from every nation under heaven. That is a manner of speaking. It's a way of saying that the Jews who had been dispersed throughout the Roman Empire, all over the known world, from all these different nations where they had uh, been assimilated into those cultures and spoke the languages of those nations, they had come on pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. That's the setting. So you have Jerusalem filled with Jewish pilgrims, just as it would have been on the day of Passover. And suddenly, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there is the sound of a mighty wind. The word wind in both the Hebrew and the Greek, it's the Hebrew word ruach, the Greek word pneuma, and you can translate that into English wind or breath, or spirit. Wind, breath, spirit. So there's the sound of this mighty wind. It is a manifestation of the Spirit of God. You might imagine it with a sanctified, holy imagination. There's nothing wrong with thinking about it in this way. As it were, as it were, Jesus Christ at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, breathing His breath, The Holy Spirit proceeding from the Father and the Son, Jesus from the throne, breathing His breath. The Holy Spirit is outpoured, and a mighty wind fills the place where they were sitting. So that captures all of the biblical imagery and the Old Testament backdrop there. And then likewise, these, what Luke describes as divided tongues of fire, flames, Somehow, resting upon, above the heads of the believers there, in fulfillment of a prophecy from Malachi that the refiner's fire would come and purify the priests of God's people. And so as the new covenant, the New Testament church was being formed, by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and we are a priesthood of believers The Spirit descended in fulfillment of that prophecy from Malachi to purify. We also know that fire is, in the Old Testament, uh, a sign, a symbol, a manifestation of the presence of God. For example, the appearance of God in the burning bush to Moses, the bush that was aflame but was not consumed. The presence of God there in that bush the pillar of fire that led the Israelites out of Egypt. So again, the tongues of fire, a manifestation, a symbolic visual, if you will, of the presence of God coming and indwelling and empowering his people in fulfillment of what Jesus had told his apostles. Wait 
for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He said this just prior to his ascension into heaven. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So it's very important for us to see that what took place on the day of Pentecost was in fulfillment of what Jesus himself had told his apostles and in fact was another uh, work of Christ. I went over this in the Sunday school class, but just very briefly, we, we think about the life of Jesus, and uh, according to our holiday calendar, we, we think of Christmas and Easter, don't we? Or if we, if, we, if we ask, what did Jesus do for us? We say, well, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again. We speak in shorthand of Jesus' death and resurrection for our salvation. But in fact, that, that is only shorthand. What Jesus has done for us is, first of all, the Son of God coming and taking human flesh upon himself, becoming one of us, the incarnation, Christmas, living a perfectly righteous life of obedience on our behalf, offering himself up as the atoning sacrifice for our sins, the crucifixion, rising from the dead, opening the gates of eternal life for all who trust in him. That's Easter, but it doesn't stop there. He ascended into heaven. He ascended into heaven to secure our place in heaven, in the promise, in the presence of the Father. He is there on our behalf now as our great high priest, having offered up himself for us. He is always there on our behalf, interceding for us as our mediator. And more than that, having ascended into heaven, he has poured out the Holy Spirit upon His people. Pentecost was a work of Christ, just as was His death and resurrection. So we need to think about Christmas, life, death, resurrection, ascension, Pentecost. It's all part of God's great work of redemption through His Son, Jesus Christ. So, what took place on that day was the beginning of what we call the New Covenant era, the formation of the New Covenant Church. And Peter makes this point by pointing to that prophecy from Joel chapter 2, the promise of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all flesh, and that this had begun to take place uh, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that day. And so there was a, first of all, here's your first C now. It's a miracle of communication. A miracle of communication took place. These Jewish pilgrims from all over the known world heard these Galileans, these, these men who had never ventured outside just the little region uh, in which they had always lived, speaking all these different languages. Miracle of communication. It's in fulfillment. This is, this is a, a kind of uh, a, 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 a foreshadowing, not, a for, not only a foreshadowing, but the, really the beginning of the Great Commission. Jesus' command to the apostles to go into all the world, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
uh, to go and to make disciples of all nations. Right? Well, it begins right here on the day of Pentecost. When the gospel is preached miraculously in all of these different languages, the language of the people, so that they can hear that the one who was crucified, this Jesus, who was crucified in humiliation, has now been raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And as the king of his people is pouring out this gift of the Holy Spirit so that his kingdom may spread throughout all the earth. It was a miracle of communication. What was communicated again was the heart of the gospel. Over and over and over again as we read through those portions of Acts chapter 2, what was the focal point of Peter's message? This Jesus whom you crucified... God has raised up and made him Lord and Christ. So Peter was calling the people gathered there to repent of their unbelief, repent of their rebellion against God and their rebellion against Christ expressed in the, by their handing him over to the Romans to be crucified and to submit themselves to his lordship, to his kingship, to bow the knee, to confess him as lord, to kiss his ring, as it were, instead of kissing the ring of Caesar, and to give themselves over, entrusting themselves to him as the one in whom they receive the forgiveness of, of sins. So that's the message. And there was this miracle of communication so that the gospel could be clearly proclaimed in the known languages of the people represented there. But that miracle of communication went to a different, deeper level, and it became a miracle of conviction, which is taking communication to the next level. Because the miracle of conviction is seen in their response. As uh, when Peter said, God has made it known for certain. This Jesus whom you have crucified is both Lord and Christ. The scripture says they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. Now that takes us back to another Old Testament imagery of, of the circumcision of the heart. So that a person's religion isn't simply a matter of externality, you know, external um, ritual, external worship. God would, would say through the prophets of the Old Testament, these people worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. God would speak through the prophets of the Old Testament, calling his people to circumcise their hearts. It's not enough to have the external sign. God's God had promised. God wanted to call for himself a people with a tender heart who loved him and wanted to obey and please him. It is not God's desire or intention to have a people who just check the box. Dress up, go to church, check the box. 
been there, done that. No. Conviction is a matter of being cut to the heart, the quick of your heart, and feeling the conviction of sin and the need for forgiveness. And then there is another miracle that takes place. Taking the miracle of communication, conviction, to a deeper level. That's the third C, the miracle of conversion. By the power of the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of the gospel, and being called to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, There were, among those there, those who heard the gospel in a saving way. Peter uh, Peter tells us, or Luke tells us, about 3,000 that day. That's a pretty pretty good revival right there on the day of Pentecost. But it, what it really foreshadows is the great harvest. The Pentecost feast in the Old Testament was a harvest feast. And now we see what the true harvest is. It is the ingathering. It is the ingathering of all those who will be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And so Pentecost is a foreshadowing of the great worldwide harvest of people from all over the world, including us, you and me, here today. 2,000 years after the crucifixion, resurrection, 2,000 years after Pentecost, here we are worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not by accident. That is not simply by cultural custom. That is by the work of the Holy Spirit. And the fact that we're here today proves what happened on that day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago. Because it wasn't that long ago that the continent on which we live was covered in spiritual pagan darkness. This morning I said it was about 400 years ago. Well, you know, if you get... You you get to West Texas and beyond, I mean, 200 years ago, it was, this is a Stone Age pagan land covered in spiritual darkness. But you see, this shows us the work of the Holy Spirit going forward. And this third miraculous work, the third C, conversion. First of all is communication, conviction, and then conversion. Faith in Jesus Christ. Being convicted of one's sins and being convinced and persuaded that Jesus Christ is the one in whom we receive the forgiveness of sins. Now, how, how does all of this apply to us? Well, it applies in this way. And you've heard me say this before, but it's an important point. I can preach to you, any preacher can preach to you, and these physical Words formed by my mouth, tongue, lips go out. They bounce over the airways. They go into your eardrum and by whatever natural God-made processes are interpreted in your brain and you know what I have said. That's fairly miraculous in and of itself. But, but that, you know, I can speak human words, and you can hear them with human ears, and you can interpret them with a human mind, a human brain. 
But only God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can speak to your heart and cut your heart. I can't do that. And that's what takes place by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If your heart has been cut to the quick and you see yourself as a sinner and you're really convinced of it, not just acknowledging it off the top of your head like nobody's perfect. Yeah, nobody's perfect. No, not that. But a sense of I am a sinner before a holy God. That's the evidence of the working of the Holy Spirit speaking to you the word of truth through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if, in fact, having been cut to the heart, you have turned in faith and received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, acknowledging Him as King, the one and only in your life. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. You don't do that by your own wisdom. You don't do that by your own power. That's evidence that the Holy Spirit who was poured out on the day of Pentecost is continuing that same ministry so that the communication of the gospel goes to the heart and leads you by faith to Jesus Christ and to embrace Him. And then that gets us to the fourth C, consecration. That is to say, living a new life. Coming out of darkness into his marvelous light. Coming out of the world of sin and death into the kingdom of his righteousness, peace, and joy. And seeking to live in such a way to bear witness to that kingdom. Bearing witness that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And living as the church. That's what we read in Acts chapter 2. Not only were they converted, but they were consecrated to life in the church and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which is the Scripture, the written Word of God, to the breaking of the bread, the sharing together in the sacrament, to prayers, to corporate worship together. That's what we see in Acts chapter 2. Right? Communication, conviction, conversion, consecration. Living life as the church of Jesus Christ. Those who have been raised up from death to life. May the Lord continue to pour out His Spirit upon us. May the Lord continue to breathe His life into us. That's what the Holy Spirit does, has done, continues to do. May we continue to, to live as people who are not zombies. But that's, you know, without the life of Jesus Christ, without the power of the Holy Spirit within us, that's what, that's what people are. Zombies, walking dead. But the promise of the gospel is that by the preaching of the gospel, 
the power of the Holy Spirit, people are called from death to life, from darkness to light. We're called to share that good news with this world and continue to seek to be filled with the Spirit continually, seeking God's power and not trying to do it on our own. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the glorious gospel of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us, who now is at your right hand and who has promised to send forth the Holy Spirit upon us. We thank you that the Holy Spirit has sealed us for salvation to be revealed at the last day. And we pray that you would grant us the grace every day to live in the power of the Spirit and to bear the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. That all the world may know that Jesus Christ is Lord. The glory of your name. Amen.